Thank you for tuning into the Taking Shape podcast, a podcast focused on documenting the story of SA's surfboard shaping history and the hands that built it. Today, we're sitting down with J-Bay shaping legend, Des Sawyer, where we get to hear about how Des started shaping, what it was like shaping over a thousand boards in a year, and what it really means to be a surfer. I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Well, good morning, Des. Morning, doing? morning. Good, thanks. Good. Fossilizing, but good. Fossilizing, but good. Um, it's a beautiful morning here in J-Bay. Yeah. In a beautiful home. Um, I'm really excited to chat to you and hear a bit about your story Great. Um, today. So okay. we'll jump right into it. Yeah, yeah. So first question, who are you and what do you do? Well, I thought I would be something else, but I've discovered that I'm a surfboard builder and that's good enough for me. I thought that I'd be in the Western idea more ambitious, but that didn't work. I don't think that's a great idea. Just be who you are. So I'm a surfboard builder, which has been a wonderful life and been building boards in Jefferies for 30 something years before that in Cape Town. So I started in about 67, 68 as a kid, 14, 15. So this year I'll be 70 and had the privilege of moving around the, the planet, you know, Made some good friends, did a number of boards in a number of places. Yeah. So who I am, Christian firstly, believer, Jesus, and uh, I surfed and I built surfboards. Very cool. That's a good introduction. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. And tell me, in the morning when you wake up, how do you drink your coffee? Strong and with three fingers of milk. If you want to measure tea and coffee milk, do your fingers. That's common sense to me. So it's three fingers of milk, nice strong coffee. We've got a good coffee sponsor cool. through Stephen. Who's that? Uh, I don't even know what it's called. No, I better I have a tribe. look. Tribe. Uh, yeah, Tribe, yeah. Yeah, it's Jake and the guys in Cape Town. Yeah, very good. It's really a brilliant coffee. Mm. I worked in the coffee industry for a long time uh, okay. growing up from the age of 14 to like 19. So okay. I know Jake and the guys from Tribe very well. So join the mafia dealing coffee because it's going to get controlled globally, I believe. That's why it's getting so expensive. Yeah, I think it already is. Like Other countries everything. are. Pretty much like everything. We, our, our idea is to monopolize. Mm. And I think the fault of many surfboard shapers as well as other business people, all the same, is to try and build all the boards in the world, or yeah. all the boards in J Bay, or all the board, you know. And it's it's we're not in the Olympics of life. Yeah, the Olympics are great. And I just learned actually day day before yesterday about the idea of where trophies come from. The word trophy came originally came from when. In, in the old days with spears and shields, etc., when people in Bible times, I think, when they overcame an enemy, the enemy dropped everything and ran away. Yeah. And what they dropped was termed a trophy. Interesting. Yeah. So now we've got, I've got a world trophy here around the corner. Stephen's got his world trophy and many other trophies. They actually just get in the way. Yeah. So why did I get there? <laughs> Just because. I'm uh, talking about the monopoly of the coffee. Industry. So the monopoly of everything. You're trying to get every trophy. and you try. So we're in the Olympics of life here. Mm. Because we're Western mindset. Yeah. Which we should reconsider. Yeah. So surfing. Obviously, I'll, I've learned whatever I've learned through surfing, building surfboards, dealing with surfers. Mm. I don't, you know, deal with all these other chaps. But... Um, what I've learned uh, is we're very competitive, we're very performance orientated, yeah. and the reason that we perform so much is because that's where we get our value from, because we, it's the wrong place. Yeah. We don't believe in the Lord, we don't believe in, in, in we have no God, so we get our, we want to be God, kind yeah. of, a very basic idea, I think, you know. Yeah, that's true, as the world goes more further away from God, they need to find their own God, their own source of affirmation and stuff. Yeah, and the interesting thing with surfboard building is the, 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 the cream of the surfboard builders has a lot of Christian 
guys building boards. Yeah. You know, Eric Arakawa and Takora and Nev and a lot of different other guys that have that have uh, believed the same thing. Yeah, guys like Skip Rye. Skip as well. A lot of guys, yeah. yeah. It's been very interesting as I've done more research into like shaping history and stuff. You see a lot of guys who are like born again believers, love the Lord. That's and right. They put him first. Then it works Sundays, go to church. Yeah. Um, Kuka Pinto. Yeah, Corey Kalapinto. Very Pinto. cool. Lovely surfer. I, I'd like to meet him. I, wanna, I wanted to go back to the States because Stephen spends a lot of time there. Yeah. Our son, Stephen. So he surfs for the contests and stuff. And I'd like to meet all these guys. You know, Some of them are coming here and some of them are coming. I've met a few. Very cool. The longboarding vibe is very cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So it's very inspiring as a believer to see... Uh, pro surfer who's very outspoken about his faith and doesn't um, fold on things. He's just like, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. You don't like the stuff I post or the things I say. Unfollow me or don't listen to me. Uh, it's very well, the, the thing that amazes me is if, if you know, people say, oh, you know, you're preaching and you're talking this about God and all this stuff. Well, why don't they think about what they talk about? Mm. Is it so important to talk about cookies and boobs and money and you know, like, okay, you know, come on, you know, and, and there's life after surfing. So, yeah. you know, there's only life after surfing if surfing's not God, you know. Yeah. But uh, I think people don't know what they worship and uh, it's a temptation for all of us. We could worship surfing or the works of our hands, you know, we can yeah. worship, you know, being creative and that all I think of is, uh, is, is surfing and, or surfboard designs, which is obviously a lot of what my mind has been filled of. Mm. But I think uh, we need to think about what we think about and then prioritize our thoughts because yeah. that makes your mind, that's the mind that you have. Your yeah. mind's not just your thoughts only because thoughts are what comes in and out of you. It's what you let in. Yeah. So that's the funny thing about surfing is some people surf, but they don't let surfing in. So they surf yeah. for 20 years and they surf the same as they did in the first year. They just <laughs> yeah. do one year 20 times. Yeah. And he thinks he's got all this experience. Same as surfboard builders. A lot of surfboard builders today are not that authentic. Uh, and I feel they're unauthorized because they, they just have technology. You know, and so the art and skill, they've left that out. And the yeah. meaning of naive is to be unskilled. Yeah. So in a sense, I'd have to say without being judgmental, according to language, they're naive. Yeah. So if all you can do is shape, scrub your boards, uh, then you're not a shaper as such. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it is very easy to look at guys now. I just download a thing off Shape3D's catalog and put that stick on their board. Uh, well, just it. get a board from someone that makes a nice board and copy it. Yeah. Make, uh, you know, do a few generations on a machine and get it close, you see? Yeah. And then put your name on that. That's, that to me is, is it's just lacking, it's lacking essence. It's, 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 um, it's an echo, it's not a voice. Yeah. I'd rather have a voice than an echo. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It was um, quite a humbling experience um, in lockdown when my dad and I bought our first blank. He watched a bunch of videos on YouTube and bought a second-hand planer from Cash Crusaders. We're like, we're going to shape a surfboard. It's going to be sick. And then started doing it and realizing we had no clue what we were doing. Um, and then chatting to guys who have been shaping for like 40 years or 50 years and saying, we started when we were little kids and we've swept um, factory floors and that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, it's like a very humbling experience when you very, try for the first time. Yeah. And, and like everything and anything, there's a pattern mm. and a way, which is a pattern. There's a way. So, you know, like I said to my son when he wanted to do all this, I, I explained surfing and surfboard building and a whole lot of other things just with one sort of metaphor. If you can write music and you can play music, even if you're tone deaf, then if you learn patterns and if you learn systems without that much talent, you can still do it. Mm. And so that's a humbling thing because you'll find some guy might play lead guitar, but he's tone deaf, can't yeah. whistle or dance. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you've got to make space for those people because I think that's the way, the, that's the way life works. It's mm. not just, 
you know, that you can stand egotistically on having a talent because that's a given. Someone yeah. gave that to you. Yeah. So, you, you know, you, we don't brag about talent. But I think you can consider hard work. Yeah. And uh, so those are also things that, that just have put value into what I think we're doing here because when I think about a surfboard, the value I have on a surfboard is different to the value that someone else has on a surfboard because, because you know, having to build the surfboards, you sort of bleed and die to learn. Yeah. You know, you know, it took me so long to learn because that's just the way that it had to go. There was no instruction from anywhere. There was yeah. no tutorials and stuff. And in any event, you know, I don't think there's a surfboard degree or or, no. or, or <laughs> technical thing you can do. So it still has that part of a value. Yeah. But without getting old and grumpy, I think that a lot of the value of being able to shape has gone out the door because of the computer because a lot of guys that are shaping today that try to shape yesterday and couldn't mm. now they can shape yeah and that's not being unkind it's just a case of the value you know what i'm saying it's like it's just i don't know it's just um it's it's yeah it's 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 a weird situation you know what i'm saying yeah you're almost getting the products without having to learn how to use the tools, how to look at it properly, how to... Yeah, it's kind of like putting something in the microwave, you know, it's instant, instant Jamie recipe and then you claim it, you know, you <laughs> yeah, give yeah. it to people for supper and they say, well, well done. And yeah, you say, thank you, but it, it's not, you know, yeah. it's very similar. I think it's very similar to that, you know. Um, well, on that, how did you start shaping? I started shaping because my dad bought me a board and I how cut... How you? I was 14 cut the fin down. It was an O'Donnell surfboard, Brian O'Donnell, Cape Town. And I cut the fin down to side slip because that was what we used to try. And that was the beginning of, you know, we couldn't surf and not many people could really surf. You just stand and go. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we started side slipping, cut the fin and my dad said, okay, no more boards for you. <laughs> Told my friends, a friend of mine stole someone's lovely 10 foot new surfboard. No. And we took all the glass of it and I shaped my first board. <laughs> and no funnily <laughs> enough, funnily enough, the guy that I'm very close to in mm. shaping, who lives in Hawaii, a guy called Eric Arakawa, who's a friend, he did the same, the same thing he did when he was a kid. They stole the board and he shaped his first board. So that's not a great thing <laughs> to do, yeah. but that's where we were living. We were yeah. young, naive, dumb, whatever. What era of Cape Town? Sea Point. Sea Point, okay. Bad surf. Horrible surf. <laughs> when you're from Seapoint, you say how great the waves are, but come on. No, I've, I lived in Cape Town for 18 years and I didn't surf once. Terrible waves. We um, enjoyed it, but it was terrible. Just to know what, what, that there's better stuff around the peninsula. <laughs> yeah, much better. Yeah. And how did you go from being a 14-year-old stealing 10-foot long boards to where you are now? Yeah, well, that's a life story, you know. Mm. So, um, I... When I looked at a surfboard, I kind of looked in a mirror. I saw myself, you know, thought, wow, this is for me. Um, I thought of doing other things, you know, as I've gone along. Like I say, you know, you get ambitious as you're growing. You grow through things, mm -hmm. hopefully. And um, I thought I would do other things. So I did interiors. I did boat building. I, you know, did a couple of things. But uh, I realized I wasn't, that wasn't my tribe. That's not my groove. That's mm. not my space, you know? And I think one of the things I had to do was I had to, I had to realize I was trying to climb a ladder, you know, and that surfboard building was a low rung. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I just don't think ladders of, we don't, we don't walk around on ladders, you know what I mean? We so we're on flat earth. And so whether you are this or that, there is a quality that will make an expert. And that's a lot of ingredients to make an expert. And so one of the things you have to be is humble and teachable. Mm -hmm. So that took me a long time and many things to go through that. 
So I built boats for guys, and that humbled, that humbled me, you know, because I realized I'm not, I'm not that clever. These dudes, these dudes are going to rip me off. And so, <laughs> yeah, built build boat for yeah, the smart they guys. Didn't, they didn't, you know they didn't, it just wasn't my place. Mm. So um, I, I got out of there, you know, and I came to Jeffrey's. But, yeah, there's a, too much to say about how I got to build boards I th but that's the that's the essence of it that mm. I thought it wasn't good enough I tried a few things realized hey I'm actually a surfer and that's the way I want to live yeah and so what I learned was more important than what I do is how I want how I'm going to live and I wanted to live a modest quiet lifestyle didn't want a Porsche and a nice house and and flash and yeah. Clifton and Double story. It didn't need all that, time. you see. So, yeah. so, uh, and and we grew up around that kind of stuff, you know. Our neighbors had these fancy cars, and yeah. I had friends whose families had a lot of money, and and I just realized that, although it was appealing to me, I realized after a while that wasn't really as valuable as I thought it was. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's why I say you grow through things so i realized hang, hang on a second it's you know so so basically surfing and surfboard building brought me into a, a sober-minded place because yeah. i was drunk on competitiveness comparing performing achieving uh you know what i'm saying yeah you know and 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 that doesn't mean to say that you don't want to make a good name for yourself. You you, you know the Bible teaches that you should have a good name. Yeah. It says it's better than silver. Yeah. Uh, you know to have a good name is 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 different to that. So I've wanted to 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 try and have a decent name, but it takes a lot because you've got to be reliable, you've got to be faithful, you've got to be honest, you've got to be available you got to be skilled you got to have resource so all of those things kind of they've made but you know when you get to 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 now where i am you've you got a long way to look back and so you can you can sort of graph things you can you know you you, you kind of you can map them out yeah so while you're living you don't know what you're doing yeah and even with surfboards, even now, sometimes I still don't know what I'm doing because I'm trying to make Stephen boards, these classic logs. And just when I got the high-performance boards pretty there, and he won on that, the world title, uh, he changed to the logs, and then I didn't know what logs were. So I shaped, <laughs> I shaped outline logs with hot dog rails, you know. But anyway... Because we hadn't seen the logs, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, a few years ago, there weren't like in America or us or wherever. There's a whole lot of boards around you. The, the crazy thing about building surfboards in South Africa has been, and still is to a degree, we don't see a lot of stuff. Yeah. So when the pros come to the shortboard contest, I can obviously see their boards, but I I hadn't seen many logs until Stephen traveled and brought some back. You know. Mm -hmm. So I told him, write everybody's boards wherever you go, because I don't make the one and only. Yeah. We're not the one and only. And then let's see from there, you know. And then what was the shaping or the surfing industry like 20 or 30 years ago in J-Bay? Because obviously J-Bay is one of the best waves in the world. Yeah. And there's a lot of shapers here, a lot of like really Yeah, well, the 80s... I didn't think I didn't think the boards were so great. Guys surfed well, but if you look at the eighties surfing now videos, you laugh, you know, because <laughs> the girls surfed better than the guys yeah. did. I think the boards have improved incredibly. Um, it's unbelievable to think that you can make a nine foot two mel, lo, uh, not log mel, that goes better than a seven foot single fin used to go. Yeah. faster looser you know you could just so the boards 30 years ago weren't so great we thought they were but that's <laughs> that's what progression does you yeah. know you have to believe in what you do and 
And that's that's part of what we do, I guess. We we say, hey, this is it, you know. Mm. But nothing's it. Yeah. But in any event, so 30 years ago, I didn't think the boards were so great. And the surfing wasn't so great. Incomparable to today. Mm. Uh, But that's the the mystery of progression, isn't it? Yeah. So often I sit here and I think like, I can't believe that you can make these boards that go so well because it's like the motorcars today. You know, you've got fuel injection, disc brakes, you've got whatever else. We seem to have just learned, you know, how to build surfboards now. Yeah. And we've learned to surf. So the nice thing about when I started, no one could surf. um, Sorry. Sorry. No one could surf that well. And no one could build decent boards because we're sheep. So we all built the same stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So it's today as well, we kind of, when you look at car design, clothes design, anything that we design, most of us are sheeping. Mm. And what's it been like, um, so obviously, or shaping when you had these old classic longboards that the guys were surfing back in there, and now Stevie's bringing all this wave of like classic longboards again yeah. in 2023. Is it interesting seeing like these old shapes kind of come back to 2023, or you kind of look at like, why are we going backwards, or is it more refined than it I've was? got old boards here, collector's pieces, which are incredible. People have been kind and brought me boards from the 60s, maybe even the 50s. I've got sure. really, I've got a Sun Surf and a Whitmore, of course, oh. and a Barber and a, a Gremlin, and you know, the Sun Surf super old board. And they don't go. Those oh, really? No, they don't go. So we make. A lot, you know, look, I know some of the boards, Joel, and, 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 and I know Stephen's written some of the older boards, the Whitmores and stuff, and they, they're okay. Uh, the logs that we make today are probably the closest boards to the old classic boards that are made, yeah. But... Um, are you saying boards you guys share? We, well, around the, the world, around yeah. the world, but... Uh, some people are riding the old classics. They'll take an old board from the 60s, you know. But um, maybe they'll, they'll disagree. I found them very difficult to ride in the old days. And I'm trying to make, you know, the philosophy that I have about a board is it should be easy to ride. It shouldn't react. It should respond. Great difference. Okay. If a person reacts, it's negative. If they respond, it's positive. Same as a board. Best way I can explain a board. Don't want a board to have a lot of character of its own. I want it to respond, which means whatever you do, the board can go through with you. Interesting. So that's what we try and build in all our boards. Mm. Obviously, your boards have features, you know, yeah. and they have design and they have whatever. But, I mean, you can imagine, you know, Trying to play a guitar that reacts to you. Trying to drive a car, <laughs> you know. Yeah, trying to trying to drive a car. So in a sense, I I think that you know we've always tried that, and that's what I don't know to do sometimes. I'm trying to work on making boards easy to ride, but that still hold lines and stuff. So in a sense, the classic logs now are retarded for what we were surfing before mm. with the high performance definitely okay. they they they're not progressive no, not they're classic yeah. you see and so there's a different um class of surfing yeah uh, that's probably the best way i can put it the, the class of surfing and so so you know instead of doing like wild cutbacks and off the tops you you kind of have a different st- idea so it's very interesting for me to go and shape you know those boards yeah i'm finding it difficult though really yeah i am yeah i didn't find it easy to shape boards in any event but at least i had some i had rehearsed the book i practiced and i and i thought i knew what i was doing Mm. whereas with the the boards that Stephen and i are working on now we've got some good ones yeah obviously we have we've hit some marks but I don't, I, I don't feel I have enough pages in the in, in in the dictionary. You know, that is so intimidating to hear. <laughs> As someone who's like starting to shape and like 
learning how to use a planer and how do rail bands work and rock and all these kind of things. And I'm like, starting to feel like I've almost nearly touched the surface of almost knowing what I'm doing. Yeah. And then yeah, well, so that's, that's very, fair. That's I very mean, cool you know, that, yeah, you know, um, yeah, expertise is ridiculous, isn't it? Because yeah. it's a lot of discipline a lot, and a lot of art. So it's a lot of technical and a lot of artistic, a lot of creativity, but a lot of also, you know, stationary ideas where, where, where if you wanted to change something, you must know what you have in the first place. Yeah. So that's technical. So I have a whole lot of tools and a whole lot of things that help me know exactly where I'm coming from so that I can go somewhere. Yeah. So I have these curves, sort of standard curves that I have, for, which I got from a guy that I shaped with from Hawaii, a guy called Glenn Manami. But um, I've, had, I've had a few basic curves, especially the shortboard curves and my classic uh, retro boards. I've had those curves for like 30 years. And and they're not same. a finished curve. They're a standardized curve. So they're they, they an average or mean curve, and then I, I, I have more or, or less tail rock or nose rock or drop in the middle, whatever it is. So you can measure something with a straight line, but you can also measure something with a curved line. Yeah. So because we're measuring curves, we'll use a curve because it's closer. Yeah. So when you have a straight line and you measure three inches in the tail and four and a half in the nose, you can do that. But if you have a curve, you can see a very, very direct uh, link up to the curve. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've seen guys um, shape and they use those curve templates. Um, as well. Very interesting bottom curves, yeah. Not just the outline. I'm talking about you yeah, know rockers bottom, and bottom bottoms curve. and stuff. And then, uh, but you know, surfing, like everything else, it's going to have progression. Yeah. We just don't know where. I mean, I remember 30 years ago, you know, working in one of the factories downtown with all the shapers, and we were sitting having tea and saying, you know, where's surfing going? And no one had any idea of airs or anything like that. Yeah. You know? I mean, Martin Potter was very progressive on a twin fin, but we never thought of doing stuff, you know, like they're doing now. So um, I, don't, I don't know. Um, imagination is an, an incredible thing that we all have. Um and I don't know. I don't know how it works because because it works. But we, when you try and have imagination, you you can't just turn it on. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'll hit you at two a.m. when you're trying to sleep. Yeah, you think of this brand new idea. So, <laughs> yeah, you can get into a good space and 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 to facilitate a bit of it, and you can be with people. You know, people synergize. You know, yeah. so uh, synergy is an incredible thing because. Um, it's a dynamic that's inexplainable, you know. Yeah, you spark of each other. Yeah, and like if you pick up 100 pounds and I pick up 100 pounds, together we won't pick up 200, we pick up more than 200. Yeah. That's progression. Mm. So that's what I'm saying is when you deal with people. But uh, I think a lot of the guys that I've shaped with have really taught me the disciplines of shaping, you know. Uh, we haven't spoken too much about all sorts of cosmic things. We've been more... Um, disciplined, you know. Mm. You mentioned um, you used to work in a factory downtown with a bunch of shapers. When was that? I worked at uh, Jeffrey's Bay Surf Designs, I think it was called, with Kenny Freeland and Glenn Darcy. Peter wow. Daniels used to come. Errol Hickman used to come in there. We had a lot of different guys, guys that traveled that used to come in. So it was a center of board building. Also, Larry Levine had a wow. factory uptown, but he was more on his own. Mm -hmm. So I worked there as well, but um, I started with with uh, uh, David Lipschitz owned the factory, you know. Oh, I no think ways. I think he did. And okay. uh, so Das was there, and then it ended up Kenny left, and it was just Darcy and me. Then Blue Hawaii came, and then uh, Larry and a couple of guys tried it, but they didn't get it going. And then I got it eventually, and 
got all the disciplines in place and managed to to copy the original boards quite closely mm. and then yeah that that we got going and was that you guys shaping under jbay fin design or jbay surf design or was that under your own label no uh jbay surf designs yeah. with that round aloe uh um logo mm -hmm. uh i didn't get my boards on i didn't get my name on boards for a long time in jbay because when I shaped for Blue Hawaii, they didn't didn't want me to put my name on the board. They put Glenn Manami's name. They put Manami Designs. Oh, wow. Then I said to the guys, no, I want my name on the board. Because I changed some of his designs with him. And after he worked with me, um, and I felt, look, hey, I, I should I should get my credits, you know, yeah. because because that was not his design anymore. Yeah, it's your work as well. Yeah, but then when I started my own label, obviously it was just their Sawyer again, because I'd made Sawyer surfboards in Cape Town, you know, from okay. right from the beginning, you know. So it was interesting to work with shapers. I think the most intimidating thing was not working with one or two guys. When I went to Hawaii, was to go into a coffee bar that they had in the factory and there was like 10 shapers there, you know. And they no were all way. like top dogs, you know, all the main oaks, you know, and they have coffee and donuts and people say, where are you from and what are you doing? And and um, it was very intimidating because I, I hadn't been anywhere. You yeah, know, and that's I went crazy. to Hawaii, it's 92, I think, and okay. um, all these dudes were there, you know, shaping boards for all the manner you know yeah i'd shape for some guys you yeah. know yeah but not that many you know and i was on the cusp of really getting into my groove as a shaper you know although i'd started shaping years yeah, before that 15 years before that you know um, yeah well you know um, i knew for years that i wasn't where i wanted to be okay and although there's progression so you can still be where you want to be and progress. But yeah. I, 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 I shaped for years, and I shaped with Johnny Palmer and myself. We were big buddies. And, and you know, he knew much more than me, and he used to kind of help me. But I, in, my, in my own reference, I, I didn't feel I knew enough, you know. So when I came to J-Bay, I asked Darcy all sorts of things, and Kenny and Larry and the maid and everybody i just wanted to know how to build a surfboard you know yeah. so I, I was that must have been such a cool experience it was hard because i had i had one kid by then i was 40 i think i don't know and uh or around 40 and uh i was enthusiastic but also desperate to get going i really wanted to learn how to shape good surfboards and I shaped boards, as I said before that, but I knew I had to learn. And then very fortunately, I had guys in Blue Hawaii that came from Hawaii. The, the one kid came, he was okay. But then when the, when the guy that owned Blue Hawaii, who was a, a very good shaper, came, and he was a technical shaper, very good, he put me right on track. And then once, once I tooled up and once I followed him, I knew I'd be away, and I and so I was able to really uh, measure what I was doing and know yeah. what I was doing. I think, you know, sometimes we think things don't have measurements, but in the modern world today, you can measure anything. Yeah. So that means there's always been measurements. We've yeah. just had to discover them, mm -hmm. and I think with surfboards, you the more measurements you can have an idea of, not that you take every centimeter, eighth of an inch, but the more knowledge you have of dimensions, the more you can design, you know? Yeah. So that's what I learned then. And yeah, it's just, uh, and then the guys that I've worked with as well, that, that I've felt that really know what's going on, we've all had very much the same idea of how, boards are done and have had the same methodology you know mm. yeah yeah and all those guys are they kind of come from the same group of shapers or is it like you met this guy in durban and he's actually shaped the same way as you have yeah no it's strange because uh when glenn manami 
set me up to to to, to technically, you know. Um, I realized when I went to Hawaii, Eric Arakawa did the same thing. Then Nev came to me. Yeah, he did the same thing. Like wow. a lot of the guys that 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 I know that shape really good boards, they pretty much have have worked along the same lines, and I think they 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 they've been fundamentals you know yeah. they've been they've been the basics you know they've been the basic chords you know mm. um like when you play guitar you've got different chords you know um, do you think that's level of um like discipline's been lost in like modern shapers yeah well i mean what do you what, you know what you're going to do is now that we've learned to measure boards and you've got a printout on a computer so you get the 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 the, the design that the cutter's going to use and they ask you or they give you the the idea they say measure this measure that measure this measure that you know in the beginning in the beginning we just looked at surfboards i mean what did you measure you know so um you've got rail templates now you've got you know you got all sorts of stuff so um you know the incredible thing is is we've had a progress so if you think about it like a hundred odd years ago people were practicing medicine without washing their hands you know yeah. wondering why people were dying <laughs> yeah and so that's how dumb we are so if if you if, if you don't know you you're not so smart you won't let people teach you but if you know hey the guy says wash your hands and you're teachable you say yeah boss so that's one of the things I learned trying to le trying to do surfboards was when people told me do this do that I did it at least once at least and if I found it worked I, I stayed with it yeah and I think that's part of you know what we need to be able to do do you know what I'm saying we need to, need to be teachable yeah yeah I have and so what I'm saying is like with measurements people say yeah i'm just going to make the board okay we'll just make the board but then you <laughs> would you know what work. you made <laughs> yeah would you know what you made mm. you know um and i think that it's it's you know like when you when you when you do things over and over you get you get used to it so you you, you know you look at people you say okay you 80k's you 64k's and you pretty close mm. that's 2 foot that's 3 foot but yeah, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna throw the tape tape measure away. You know? Yeah. So so learn to use it properly. You know, learn to use the measurements that are there, and that's that's become much more important today in the world that we're in, isn't it? I mean, now we measure things fantastically. Yeah. You know. Yeah. When I first um, started looking at shaping, I got the, um, Alyssa Brown gave me a. Tip, just feel boards and measure everything. Um, and that's what I'm trying to do. I've just got to keep my tape measure with me. And then if I see a board, feel the rails. What does it feel like? How thin's the nose? How thick's the tail? How wide? All that kind of stuff. And I've got a, a note list on my phone. And I'm just writing things down. Um, don't know what most of it means yet or how it affects boards. Um, yeah. But it's, it's been interesting to see and feel like, okay, this is, I'm starting to feel like, okay, this is what three inches feels like in the middle versus like two and stuff like that. It's cool. Yeah, well, when you shape, you also, you know, you feel the rail and you can measure the rail by putting your hands on the rail mm -hmm. and hold and just get that shape. It clears the shape for you. You know, you just pull your hand up you, and you, you clasp it. And, and now we've got, we've got, with the progression, instead of using your hand, now we've got rail templates that we've made off rails that we like. Yeah. So you can make, you know. Um, but having said that, this is why particularly people that shape boards off the machine, a lot of the boards look the same, you know. Yeah. Um, they really do. They just, a lot of the boards are looking the same, you know. It's a few different, so, so, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just think. It's good and bad. It's it's. I, I would I would think. I mean, my good friend in Hawaii's got a very sophisticated machine, but he hand shapes all the the originals, you know. Okay. 
And if he's making boards for different people, he, he might hand shape the board instead of just putting it on the machine, yeah. drawing the board. Yeah. But if you think about how we've progressed as surfboard builders, there's some guys now that draw boards, like really good boards, you mm. see. So, and I don't. I haven't gotten there. I didn't, I didn't want to go there, so I didn't go there. But I sometimes wonder if I'm, I, I, I should have. So um, on the one hand, it's almost a contradiction because I feel you should hand shape. But on the other hand, if you can draw it, well, I don't know, then draw it, you know. So when you were like, when you started Sawyer and stuff, and I'm assuming your business obviously grew from like doing a few boards here and then to how do you keep up with the production? So you just hand shaped everything start to finish. When I made, when I was seriously in my groove making boards and had a demand, I was hand shaping all my boards. I made 25 to 30 boards a week handmade. What? shapes yeah and i was a, i had about a hundred backlog 150 backlog of boards wow um and i don't know how many years i had that but i just remember i could never make enough boards and it was a bit of a frustration so I can imagine. you know today now if you have like my friend and other guys in different countries now, you've got all these glassing shops, you mm. know. So Al Merrick makes thousands of boards a year because they just pump them on the machine, give them to the glasses, and those models go out. Yeah. So it's a whole different game. Yeah. It's a whole different game now. So, so yeah, I, I think the, the, the most boards I probably made in a year was, I don't know, if it's 1,000, 1,200, wow. I, I think. I don't know. You know, I, 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 honest, I don't know. All I know is that I did as many as I could, and I remember 25. I used to order at least 25 blanks a week, 30 blanks a week. Wow. So um, I was making that many boards. And but was that, that was hard, bro. That was hard. Yeah, that's graph. To keep it, yeah. What was your like, work day like? My work day? Yeah. Blood, sweat, and tears. What do you mean? <laughs> what was my work day like? Like, what time did you start? What time did you finish? Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I'm not an early bird, so I'd probably start half past eight and finish at five. Okay. But I, I, you know, I, I worked hard and I had very strict disciplines, and I and I also built my own profiler, which helped. So, in the end, you know, when I was copying boards, I made two a day for Glen Manami, and once I done that and got all those things going, all those methods and, you know, all that stuff. Um, I was probably shaping eight to 12 a day when on my best days. But, you know, you don't do that every day. But, you know, the guys are with me, Das, and I was at, I was still down the factory there. I was shaped probably my best day, 10 or 15 boards for the day. That is a production line over there. Yeah, I've done more than that though. Yeah. And when you're doing that many boards, are you, are you servicing mainly just Chebe? Or was that, you exporting Everywhere boards? in the whole world, man. It was ridiculous. Our boards are everywhere. I mean, I'm walking down a street in Hawaii in, in, in a place called Paia in Maui. And these guys are in front of me and I walk past them and the guy says, Hey, Des. And I look around and, and I don't know who he is. And he says, oh, I've got your boards from Jeffries, you know. Wow. And apparently, they were in the museum there, there's one or two of my boards. But um, And I've heard, you know, guys come back from India and say there was a board on the beach in India. So no you, because of uh, aeroplanes, though, it's yeah. only because of the aeroplane, you know. Right. It's not because I'm that great. I think it's just today, you know, you can get anything anywhere, mm. you know. Um, but I was getting orders, and I still get orders from a, a few different places, but I stopped exporting. Uh, earlier on, I just, I, um, I didn't always, you know, didn't always build boards flat out, but, um, I, I, yeah, I wanted to work in Hawaii and I wanted to work in Japan. I wanted to export. I exported to a lot of different countries. Actually, I exported or sent boards with people in the seventies to Israel. Can you believe it? Wow. And Germany. And I think Spain, I don't know, whatever. I can't remember, but I, 
to a chocolate factory in Israel, in Ashkelon or something. I can't remember. So you're saying that you're exporting a lot of boards and you slowed down and stuff? Oh, yeah. I worked all over the world and exported boards. So I slowed down and then made a change. Then my son started surfing and I got got back into surfing, you know, well, surfboard building because I had a, a gap year program that I ran for a couple of years from the year 2000. Um, like a shaving program? No. What? Discipleship. Wow. Yeah, in a house. Lived with people in the house. What was that called? It was called Surf Masters, but it was really um, what I what I wanted to do was do life with people. Mm. And I think there was a big gap between uh, going to church and, and getting preached to and then living. Yeah. You see. And uh, so that's that's why I did that and did that for a while. And then our son, very, very cool. when he was nine, uh, Damien Hobgood said, are you surfing? And he said, no, I'm fishing and skateboarding and riding <laughs> bicycle. And he said, do you want to surf? Because he was at our house. He's a friend. He became friends with us. And he said, if you surf, it was his birthday as well. He said, if I give you a board, will you surf? And Stephen said, okay, but I'm not surfing whitewaters. <laughs> so I took him to the point and he started surfing. So that whole thing started me building a few more boards. Because I did a couple of boards you know mm. but i wasn't i wasn't shaping every day yeah. and working and um and then then once we got out of that um i started building boards uh a little more seriously well not serious i mean i've always been serious about it but a little bit more frequently you know mm. um and then with steven competing we didn't want to do a whole lot of boards because I had done that and I wasn't up to it. I'm not making 10 boards, you know, all that stuff, 10 boards a day and stuff. Yeah. And there weren't people to glass and stuff. So I taught Stephen to glass properly. Cool. And he glasses like properly. And I've taught him to shape properly and he does a bit of shaping. And so now he's taking the business and he'll get ready to produce. So we'll get back into into possibly, yeah, where we were before. That's exciting. Yeah. So we'll see, you know. I might speak to people to see about Japan and stuff because that, that to me was a highlight, Hawaii and Japan, mm. you know. Um, just worked. That's how it worked for me, you know. Yeah. Um, and what's it been like shaping boards for a town like J-Bay? Because obviously you've got one of the best waves in the world. Such a, like, an, uh, it's not just like um, yeah. point. But it's got a super specialized wave. Supers is deceptive. So in the old days, people thought they needed to ride longer boards, you know, like guns and stuff. And I did a lot of those up to seven foot, you know, years ago, 30 years ago, 25 years ago. Um, but now, I mean, you know, Stephen rides five eights, five nines yeah. most of the time. And he surfs that on the biggest days. Mm. And he surfs the biggest waves in the most critical places, like in the barrel, whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, boards have changed, as I said, the, the designs have changed. Um, I mean, yeah, we had some really good, you know, in the 90s, I think the boards were going very, very well, very, very nicely. I think the 80s was a bit of a rough time for boards. Really? I think. Um, like globally or just South Africa? Well, it was all skulls and crossbones and <laughs> nonsense. And yeah. everybody was trying to make a billion out of surfboard clothing, particularly, you know, mm. the, the surfboard boom and the clothing boom and go to London and there's a surf shop in the middle of London, you know. Yeah. So they built an image out of surfing where surfing was just surfing, you yeah. know. But... Um, Building surfboards in J-Bay, I came to J-Bay to build surfboards and to have a, just as I say, a quiet sort of, as mo as modest life as possible, mm. changing my mind as much as I could from being persuaded to, to live in a certain way, you know, yeah. uh, everything's got to shine and be all dialed in. But um, it was good because we had a lot of traveling surfers, we had the contests, we had guys that, that surfed well. I was able to see a lot of different of 
the short boards. Mm. Not that I did, as I said, with the logs. We didn't have the logs, but we had the short boards. And had opportunity to build a lot of boards for a lot of good surfers, top surfers, pro surfers, etc. You know, that's quite cool. Yeah, it must. Uh, it's always like blown me away when I look at because my experience of surfing is only in the past like eight years, and I think in the past eight years, in I'm a primarily a longboarder, there hasn't been like a massive jump in anything in eight years, and then change guys like you have been around for so long, they've seen the progression of like everything seeing how surfing itself has changed and the boards yeah, that guys are surfing yeah. and how competitions are running and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, it's quite a cool be able to look out like a very top-down view of like the timeline of surfing. Big um, privilege. That's one of my greatest privileges that I have is that for argument's sake, the, the, the old boards, we surfed them, I started on them. Mm. And then what I discovered when I came to Jeffrey's uh, do you remember when they made the second Endless Summer movie? Yeah. Uh, John Whitmore came and he invited me to the beach. And then I realized, hang on, I grew up with these guys. <laughs> so, so, so I didn't know Henson and, Ro uh, and, and Robert August, but I knew the other guys, James and the guy, Terry, that had the van and, a whole, and Whitmore and all these. Uh, so the privilege that I had took me a long time to realize. Yeah. You know, that that um, although we started with no wetsuits, freezing, no <laughs> leashes, going straight, you know, the big deal was to not pull when you when you took off on the wave. We don't even have pull today. It doesn't exist. Pull. Surf bumps, you know. You yeah. don't even have surf bumps. I had huge surf bumps on my feet and my knees. I'm growing a few. <laughs> yeah, so we don't have surf bumps anymore. And then they used to open up. Then when the wetsuits were invented, we had these rashes and you wear your armpit off <laughs> um, and get infections and oh, we cried. You know, the first few waves you were dying because you had these big holes in your arms. But after catching a few waves, you just, the pain went away. It was yeah. crazy. So, um, yeah, we, yeah, the progressions and yeah, what can I say? That's very cool. We were going to surf freezing swimming much more than surfing who cares we're gonna surf um, so i started with that and the privilege that i had when i when i was able to look back mm -hmm. and then of course having a son and you know shana and I, so um looking back on all of that's a big privilege for me you know mm. yeah yeah that's cool yeah it's like history is so important Hearing the like in your with your story and stuff is very yeah. important. History, um, history is yeah, parts of history are very important. I think, unfortunately, some people don't have a history, you know. And um, there, there, there are a few oaks that have got a bit of history in the surfboard building here, you know, like Mike Lamont and Spider, mm. uh, the other guys that are peripheral now, you know, they've a lot of. You know, like I haven't surfed for a couple of years because I've had a few problems with my hips and back and stuff. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the funny thing is, you know, you 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 think that you're not going to grow out of surfing, but you 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 have to because you you get older. You know, it's yeah. like it's demanding. So so there's very few guys that I surfed with that still surf. You know. Because that's how it goes. I mean, yeah. rugby players, by the time you're 40, you're done. You, you know, yeah. I was playing rugby after 40, at least 35, maybe. Yeah. It was quite cool. I met a guy um, the other day uh, surfing in PE. Um, he looked like he'd got this like brand new log. So I started chatting to him about, about it. And I was asking him like, how long you've been surfing for. And he said he's about, been surfing for about 25 or 30 years. And he's only recently downgraded to a longboard. And I think he was in his 60s. Um, and it was cool to see even just, he was like, I still want to surf, so I'm going to buy a longboard. And that's not like, you can't get those massive waves yeah. or big cutbacks yeah. that he used to do, but he's surfing yeah. a longboard. And, um, he was saying it's been quite a challenge for him because now he's learning how to like cross step and like get a hang five and turn a longboard where he's came from like shortboards and stuff. Um, so your body does catch up with you, but I think you can make it last with a longer bar. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can. I look, yeah, surfing's changed, surfing's changed a lot, you know. Yeah. Become a family surf. 
uh, orientation. The female surf, when I surfed in the beginning, there was probably only two girls that surfed. I didn't even see the one that, the, the, the one I saw, and there was, there was only one that I used to see surf, one girl. And then there was another one that surfed, but she surfed the other side of Cape Town. And I never saw her surf, I don't think ever. Um, and then, you know, it was girls that surfed for the Springboks and stuff in the 60s, obviously, but there were very few surf uh, families and stuff like today, you know. That was the surprise that I had when I went to Hawaii the first time because families were surfing and there was a totally different orientation. Like, South Africa was weird because, you know, there was still this unprogressive stigma attached to surfers that they were all goofballs and they were all useless, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, and that wasn't the case in Hawaii, that's for sure. But it's changed, which is cool, you know? Now there's things called surf schools. I mean, yo, we never thought of a surf school. <laughs> yeah. You know? And what's it, um, maybe like one of the last few questions. Um, like being in JB for so long, obviously it's an incredible surf town. How has J-Bay's surfing culture or industry changed? Well, it's changed only because of the business. So, you know, years ago with Billabong being the main deal, people used to surf. They work at Billabong and they surf, they surfed, you know. Um, I don't know, you know. It's, 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 it, the point of view is too prejudiced to, 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 to start saying too much about it. But I'll just yeah. say that um, we thought it would be more crowded by now, so I'm glad it's not. More crowded by now? Yeah, I thought it would be more crowded because the 80s were crowded and the 90s had, had times of crowds. Um, with the surf reports, a lot of crowds come to surf because now they know. You know, in the old days, you had to read the weather. Now you just check your computer. I mean, it's yeah. a bit lame. Got live broadcast. So on. some idiot, he just he knows when there's going to be surf, you know, the like before, you needed to know what was going on, yeah. but now you don't. So it's 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 like it's it's a bit of a pain. I met a guy. Um, I was in a coffee shop in PE, um, and I saw this dude, and he was American. So I went to hazard him, um, asking him why he's here and stuff. And he was from Paraguay, I think that's where okay. he was living. Um, and I was like, "Well, why are you here?" And he's like, "Well, I'm coming to J Bay." And I was like, "Why?" It's like I saw the forecast two days ago, so I bought a plane ticket. I'm here yeah, to you see, that's what happened. So, so the, the 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 value of having to learn to surf, having to learn to build boards, having to learn to read the weather, having to learn your place in the lineup. You know what I mean? Mm. We had respect for the oldies. Yeah. Like where I surfed, you couldn't sit in the lineup as a kid. You sat on the side in the channel, and when the guy, older guys called you in, you came and you got your wave. And if you missed it, they might give you another one. Now I got a twelve-year-old talking to me about all my wife's body parts. I mean, what <laughs> nonsense is that? Yeah, it's pretty. You wild. see, so I'll just clap that oak, you know, yeah. to teach him some manners. So, so the hierarchy in surfing is fading a bit. I think the one good thing about surfing in Jeffries is there's still that stigma attached to Jeffries that when you come to J-Bay, you must behave yourself. Yeah. And I hope that stays. I know that Stephen and his friends are trying to keep that going. Yeah. They, 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 they you know, um, you can do it. I mean, I used to do it. I used to say to the guy, hey, listen, you're getting too advantageous here. You must move down the line here. You know, this is not your spot. So we sit here. You can sit there. You don't have the privilege. Yeah. You see, but then again, and I'll preach it because it's true. When you're in a local surf break, you don't have a right. If you think you've got a right, that's when you're going to get a club. Yeah. So the locals will have to put you in your... You've got a privilege. Either the privilege to watch or the privilege to surf. Not just to come and take any wave. Yeah. So today, with our Western idea, we've got rights. It's a completely wrong idea. You don't have any rights in this whole world. Yeah. I don't believe in rights. I don't believe in rights. I don't believe I've got one right. I've got a privilege that's given to me. Yeah. That means if you come to Jeffries, you've got the privilege of surfing Jeffries, yeah. not the right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 
And so people don't know their boundaries, you know. People don't, and this is the funny thing, is, 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 is the, you know, it's called culture now, but it's just dishonorable living. It's just a lack of grooming. It's a lack yeah. of awareness. It's a lack of cop, having yeah. no cop, Afrikaans word, lacquer. Because the Oaks think that, you know, they, they, they think just because they drove all the way from Cape Town now, they forget that the Oaks stay all year waiting for the waves. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? While they're cruising around with all the wave choices, we're waiting for supers to happen. Now that it happens, that is going to pedal on my inside all the time. So I think that um, you don't have to be violent about it, but you have to be emphatic yeah. and say, hey, buddy, you're out of place here. Yeah. I'm way too scared to surf supers just because I'm like, I don't want to step on anyone's toes. I'm like a no one. Like, yeah. I'll, I'm just too scared. There's a lot of surf breaks in the world that, that people don't have the privilege to surf. Yeah. And that's how it should be. Mm. Because why should you just have every privilege that exists? You know what I'm saying? You don't have every privilege. You're not, no one's that privileged. Yeah. None of us are that privileged that we can go anywhere and do anything that we like. Just because you, you've got a will doesn't mean to say that you can do what you want. Mm -hmm. And so I think those things in surfing, I hope that the, 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 the value of those things stays in surfing. Yeah. And it's taken me a while to work it out. You know, like even to, for, for Kelly Slater who comes to Jeffries, I don't think he just paddles into any wave he wants. He's sensitive as to who's in the water because mm. the O's will kick him out the water. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's the same in Hawaii. It doesn't matter who you are, bro. Mm. And it's not that we disrespect anybody, but it's, it, 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 there's, a, there's a mutual connection here. If, if that doesn't work, then it's, it's like a guy, he can't park in my driveway. It's not his right to just park in my driveway. It's, it's the same as surfing here. You just don't park in the lineup where you want. Yeah. Without understanding that's a place you can go. That's it, bro. That's it. That's what gives you the value of this place. Mm. Yeah. It's been, um, like I'm new gen, I'm young, like I've got no say in industry at all like in the in the break and that kind of stuff and it's been cool um there's some guys in pe who have like been talking a bit more about like staying in your place like don't just because you might surf better than this guy doesn't mean you can just take space when you're longer um and it's like a bit of a passing down of traditions kind of thing another day i did a smart surf grump for the first time he was like just dropping in on everyone like dropping in on the guys who've been surfing there for like 20 years or whatever and i was like hey you need to go sit down there um, yeah, so, so, you know, I, 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 I think that um, people have lost their way and they've done it more and more and more. And that's why we have the world that we're living in today, because when you lose your way, like I said earlier, you know, people think they're sober minded, but mm -hmm. they're so drunk on jealousy Yeah. Eh, that although he wants to be honest, he'll lie through his neck to beat you, yeah. to get what you've got. And people don't realize that. So they think, oh, you're only, you're only unsober when you're drunk or goofed or something. It's nonsense. So mm. I think, you know, and the thing about being drunk, not that I think it's great at all, but at least in the next morning you'll wake up sober. When you're drunk on, on hate, you'll wake up the next morning still drunk on hate, bro. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So, so... So, you know, why am I mentioning that is because that's what makes a surfer. He must be aware of these things. Mm. And, 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 and that's why I did what I did with, with having people live with us because I wanted surfers to be surfers. And when I think of what a surfer is, a surfer is he doesn't need Greenpeace to tell him what to do. He doesn't need eco-challenges to tell him what to do here. Yeah. He knows, hey. This is how it should be. I don't need to lie to anybody. I don't need to expand things. I don't need to do this. I don't, I don't have to have rights. I've got privilege. You know, he knows his place in the lineup. He knows his place in life. Yeah. That's what a surfer, that's what I was hope. That's why I became a surfer because when I saw surfers as a kid and the guys I surfed with, the older guys, a lot of those guys had good values. Mm. They did. And um, um, 
a lot of those guys, although they, there was all that drug thing happening in the 60s and 70s and the hippie vibe, people were trying to discover reality. Mm. So in a sense, I could, I could waver a lot of the things. So what if they smoked a bit of dope? At least they progressed past dope. Yeah. You never even got to dope. <laughs> yeah. Don't get clever now. You never even thought of more than what some dude told you. Yeah. So, and why do I say that? Is because that's what surfers are to me, you know. And and I don't say that we are above anybody else. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying we should be whole people, because we're in touch with a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. We're in touch with a big business arena, high performance arena, beautiful nature. The ocean doesn't know your name. It doesn't matter whether you slate it. It'll break your leg, yeah, bro. Mm. So, and that's lovely because it keeps you in your spot to surf. Yeah. And then you should stay in your spot forever. You should stay. At, you get your groove. You understand? Yeah. For me, I think it's 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 a beautiful leveler, bro. I, I, I've often wished some people I've met would surf because they're so lofty. Yeah. They're so big time. And then the other thing about surfers is, you know, they come and order a board and then the guy says something dumb like, I don't want to do airs. I mean, he, could, he won't even do a cutback this <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. Why does he talk like that? You know, he's still going to learn, hopefully, yeah. that he's, 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 he's a kook. And I think we should, you know, that whole idea of having kooks is great. <laughs> yeah. You know, because, because, because if you are a kook, the best thing you can do is know you're a kook. That's for sure. Mm. But in the world today, everyone's too cool to be a kook. You, you're 12 years old, you surf for EP, now you're pro. You know, you've got a, you've got a Billabong t-shirt, they interview you on TV. What do you think of the surfer? I was 10 years old. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't know even how to think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. what's happening. Got to get, I don't know, I resist that whole idea mm. so yeah that's what i talk about when i talk to surfers billboards for people i like to interested in the person they're much yeah. more important than the board totally. and i'm building the board for him yeah uh, there's my friend on him well there's thanks great so thank you yeah. okay let's see show me what you've done i will i will thanks for listening to this conversation with des sawyer I had a really great time meeting him and getting to hear his story if there's another shape you want to hear about, let me know. Till the next one, you can follow this show on Instagram at Taking Shape Podcast to see updates on the next show. I hope you enjoyed this interview and I hope you have a great rest of your day.